right now, right off the bat, make sure you get your hand out because when you get to the pearly gates, there's going to be a fill in the blank and this is it. So you make sure you have that ready because Peter's going to be coming out you there. Hey, I'm glad you, uh, uh, I just appreciate being asked to come back here. Uh, several months ago, Doug had contacted me and said, look, uh, I think it's, is it their 30th anniversary or something's coming up? And they're, uh, he said, well, anyway, however many years they've been married, um, they were going to go on a three-week trip and won't know if I can come for three weeks. So I said, aside, yeah, I'll come in November. And uh, lo and behold, he called a few weeks ago and said, there's been a slight change. There's a war going on in Israel, and they were supposed to end up over there. So that kind of changed things up. So consequently, I came here for once. But I was really thinking about when, all this time that I would take, um, we were going to look at Romans chapter 8 and just take about three weeks in both class and sermon. We're going to look at it. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to give you kind of an overview of Romans 8. Now we're going to do parts here. It says the ultimate life, number one. The Bible class is going to be number two. So you want to be in here. And we'll get an overview. And then maybe when times uh, get a chance, Lord willing, to come back, we're going to get a little more in depth into Romans chapter 8. There. So anyway, it's, uh, it's good to be here. I'm going to try to see if I can uh, run the PowerPoint and preach at the same time because i got several things there and I didn't want to uh, put them in a bind some of this here. All right, let's just think about some stuff. You know, we always hear about the good life and people always want to have the good life. In fact, you kind of worry about somebody that just says, no, I want to have the bad life. Uh, there's something wrong with them there. And so you can get your commercials or on your phone as you're doing, scrolling through, pops up, and they're always telling you, now, if you get this product or if you drink this or if you do whatever, you're going to have the good life here. But the problem is it's not. The good life, and I'm going to call it the ultimate life, and we're going to look at it here in Romans chapter 8, and that's what our text is. And so little background, though, as we get into Romans chapter 8. What's Romans 8? Romans 7. Yeah. All right. Romans 7 is right before that. And, and in that section there, you, you're seeing that civil war that goes on uh, in our own lives there, where you've got that, 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 that uh, problem with the flesh. And the new creation, and the, and the old self, and, the, and in the old self, the flesh keeps pulling us down. And, and in fact, the last half of Romans 7, if you've got your Bibles over there, you just kind of flip through, you can see there he talks about that. And that's that section that we all know about that says, you know, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And, and, and there's all kinds of things going on. You get this picture of defeat and, and despair. And, and, and that's Romans chapter 7. And that's how it kind of ends up there. And then you get to chapter 8. And chapter 8 is the total opposite. Now you've got the victory, you've got the conquest, you've got uh, the success, and here you see what it is to be on top of the world. It's not the difference between these two chapters here. What makes the difference? The difference between uh, in life and in your life, between, between defeat and victory, the difference is Holy Spirit. And so in chapter 7, 
we see here that that in chapter 7 is I, or that's what was happening in chapter 7. In fact, if you read through where the uh, chapter 7, the personal pronouns of I, me, you'll, it's, it's 47 times in chapter 7. And that's our problem too. I get in the way. Myself. I'm wanting it my way. And those things there. Until when you get to uh, the Christian life, and the secret to the Christian life is, is, is letting the Holy Spirit through you. So the key word in Romans chapter 8 is spirit. In fact, if you look through there, in Romans chapter 8, spirit is used 19 times. So if you read a chapter in the Bible and the same word pops up 19 times, you might have an idea that, hey, I need to pay attention. There's something being said here. Romans chapter 8 is called by a lot of people chapters on Christian living in the Bible. This morning is have this summary here that we call the, the ultimate life. And this chapter here is going to kind of give us some, again, a summary, but benefits of having this ultimate life and that the Holy Spirit is going to make possible for us to live. And so these are some of the benefits of being born again here. So what's that key verse? I mean, right off the bat, look what it says. Therefore, there is what? Now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, that is good news. Look at that, and now the key phrase right there is in Christ. In Christ is, is a favorite to describe a, a, a Christian. In fact, in his letters, in Christ is found 160 times there. Now, rather than uh, Paul calling us believers, rather than Paul calling us Christians, he refers to us, he calls us as in Christ. And so Paul starts this, this whole letter out here in Romans chapter 8 and talks about those who are in Christ. Now that's verse 1. You go to the end of the chapter there and look what happens in verse 39. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is, what's those words? In Christ Jesus our Lord. So this chapter's got bookends. It starts out with in Christ. It ends with, in Christ. It's for, and what he's saying is, look, what I have to say to you is for believers. These benefits are for Christians. And they're not going to apply to everybody. You know, sometimes we go out there and we start quoting, well, I could get off on this, but we'll, we'll tell people, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. We forget that this is talking about those who are in Christ. We'll talk about that more and, and for those who are outside of Christ, you don't have those benefits there. Uh, the kind of life the Holy Spirit makes possible for us to live. Here's some things we're going to see today. Here. First of all, the, the Spirit tells us we have a life without condemnation. In other words, God's not mad at me. I mean, Paul is giving the answer to chapter 7. You remember how chapter 7 ends? Look what it says there. What a wretch, what a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Now that's how chapter 7 pretty well ends up. 
how does Paul answer it? Well, the first thing he does, he brings up the Holy Spirit. Look what it says there. Therefore, now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son. So the first benefit of being a believer in Jesus Christ is that God's not angry with me anymore. Sometimes people just think God's mad at me all the time. No. And now notice what that verse does tell us there. That verse doesn't say, uh, verse 1 doesn't say, now, you be perfect and you won't be condemned. That's not what it says. Or, if you'll keep all the rules, then God will think you're okay. It says, all you have to do is be in Christ. And, and the reason I'm not condemned, the reason you're not condemned, if you're a Christian, is because Christ took all that condemnation some 2,000 years ago and took it away. He, on that cross, when he died, he took all the punishment that I deserve, he took all the punishment that you deserve, and all the pain, and he took it, and the case is closed. It's done. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus talked about this back in John John 3, 17, 18, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but what? But to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him, there it is, in Christ, in Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. And then in John 5, He says basically the same thing. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes Him who sent me has what? Eternal life. And will not be condemned. And so that's why Paul can get in there in Romans 8 and say, for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. And notice, he does. Paul doesn't say, look, there's therefore no mistakes in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, now therefore there is no sin for those who are in Christ Jesus. No, we're failures. You know what? We still sin, don't we? You're supposed to say yes. All right, all right, we do. We still sin. Uh, we make mistakes. Sometimes we just fail, and sometimes we fail miserably. But are we condemned? No. Why? Because of God's grace, because we're in Christ Jesus. The reason we get off scot-free is not because, hey, you're such a good guy that God says, hey, I'm going to let you on in. No. It's because all of your condemnation, everything you deserved, was taken away 2,000 years ago. And so being in Christ allows us to live a life without condemnation. It also means, second of all, it gives us a life without domination. And that's verses 5 through 17. In other words, sin cannot control my life anymore. Now, unless I just choose to allow it to control my life or I give in to it, but it cannot just come in and take over. Now, people will say sometimes, but I just couldn't help myself. I can't help myself. I'm going to say yes and no on that one, okay? 
I mean, it's true. If you're like me, and I think we're all pretty well the same, there's some sin in our life we just have a hard time getting a handle on sometimes. Isn't that right? There are some things in our own lives that we just <clears throat> wish we didn't do that. And lo and behold, we did it again. I understand sometimes we have a hard time getting control on it. But here's what this chapter teaches us. And again, this is an overview. We'll, some other time we'll get a little deeper into some of this stuff here. But the Bible tells us God gives us a power that can help us overcome that sin. And that's what that this section here in five in verses 5 through 17 is talking about. Look at what it says there in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. In other words, there's two mindsets out here in this world. There's the mindset of the Christian. There's the mindset of the non-Christian. There's the mindset of the flesh. There's the mindset of the spirit there. Look at verse 8, what it says. Excuse me, verse 6. But the mindset on the flesh is death. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. I've got to ask you a question. Which mind do you want here? Kind of obvious, isn't it? You want death or life and peace? We're going to take that life and peace, aren't we? That's what we want. Now, I know, and, and we'll talk about maybe some other time, but I know there's times where our mind goes where it doesn't want, we think, what am I doing? Lord, where do those thoughts come from? We're not talking about that. We're talking about the vine set on the flesh. This is where I'm going. No, this is, we're, we're set on the spirit. That's why you're here today. It, it, in verse 7 here, it says that the unsaved person is hostile towards God. Look what it says. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. For it is not even able to do so. Now the mindset on the flesh doesn't do what God says. In fact, it can't. According to this verse, it can't do what God says. Since all the kids are gone, all of us old people, we might remember the old song, the old Frank Sinatra song of, I did it, I did it my way. You know, we, we know that one, all right. It pops up every once in a while, even in commercials. That's the world's song. I did it my way. That dear friend, that, he, that was kind of his song. In fact, he sang it one time, and I did he died of complications from AIDS, and I, I did his funeral. Now, gratefully, his lifestyle had been wrong, and he had done things he shouldn't have done. But gratefully, at the end of his life, God gave him the grace to come back to him. Very grateful for that, and grateful to know that one day I'll be back with him in heaven, get to see him again. But he lived his life my way. That's what the world does. And it's, in other words, I'm going to do my own thing, now you think about it. Think how the world lives. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do, I'm going to be my boss. You can't tell me what to do. If you are, you're judgmental. And the, the world is just flat rebellion. God, look at the news. It's nothing but rebellion. And look at look, what verse 8 says, though. But th those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The person who's outside of Christ cannot please God. Now in the next few verses he's going to talk about the benefits of us having the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I know we're covering a lot of material here today but that's just kind of 
how these lessons go today. But he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit in life and how we can have the power to break out of that sin because every one of us, look, we struggle with sin. We still live in this world until the Lord comes again and, and completely wipes this world away and sin's no longer part. We're going to have struggles with it. But our mind is not constantly set on the flesh. Our mind really is after God. Look what he says there in verse 9. However, you, he's talking to you now, talking to all of us here, you are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not even a Christian there. Look at verses 12 and 13. So then, brethren, why? Because, because we're not in the flesh. He says, we are, we're in the Spirit. So then, since we're in the Spirit, we're under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But by the Spirit you are putting to death... And I like this. But by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body. I like that last section, last two or three lines there from the screen there. It says, in New American Standard, I like the way it, it really translates this correctly here. By the Spirit you are putting to death. In other words, it's a continual process. I mean, there is sin in my life that seems like it just keeps popping its head up and I want to stomp on it and I think I've got it and guess what? It pops up again and I stomp on it and it pops up again. But you know what that is? It's the spirit we are putting to death. It's not, I would love to just say, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. Now, how many of you said, I'll never do that again and what happened? You did it again, isn't that right? Why? Well, it's because... We, we still, are, we, we still have to deal with the flesh sometimes. We are putting to death the, the deeds of the flesh. Well, you look at verse 18. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. And I run into too many people who are Christians who are just afraid all the time. You didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship and by him we cry Abba Father when you became a Christian when you were baptized into Christ and you came out of that water to walk that new life and the spirit of God is now in your life and we don't serve God out of fear anymore reverence Oh, yes. And there's such a thing as a healthy fear. I mean, there's, I mean, I love my, my I have three daughters. Growing up, they love their daddy, their daddy loved them. But they also had a healthy fear of knowing, hey, we better not cross daddy here, okay? But, but you know, that's, that's normal. But God, we don't serve him out of fear. We're not, in other words, I think the best way to put this is we're not scared of God anymore. That's the best way to put it. I'm not scared of it. We're no longer under law, but now we're under this loving relationship. You see, law says, you better do what I say or I'm going to be mad at you. And I'm afraid sometimes in my raising of children, I was that way. 
I should have done a better job being more gracious. That's what law is. But, but with God, we are in a relationship, a loving relationship. And the Holy Spirit makes it possible a life without condemnation. We are free. We are free. A life without domination. And we don't have to sin anymore. And God gives us the power. He gives us the power not to do it. Not to say we'll be perfect. But we know we have the power. We've got, and we need to remember, we've got God's Spirit living in us. That's more than just a bunch of words. He's there. And so with the Spirit, we don't have that condemnation. We don't have a life of domination. But I'll tell you another thing is we have a life without desperation. And that's that says verses 19 through 26. You might mark that. It's really ought to be 18 through 26 there uh, on, on, your, on your paper there. Look, even in our suffering, in our hard times, we still have hope. That's what Romans 8 teaches us. Look, no matter what happens in your life, no matter what trials come upon you, with the Spirit there is always hope. One of the saddest things we run into is people who are just hopeless. But with God, there's always hope. And there's no situation, I'm telling you, there is no situation in your life, if you have the Holy Spirit, that is hopeless. That's what verses 18 through 26 are talking about. Okay, verses, look what 18 says. Consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. But Paul is saying, sure, we're going to have sufferings. You're Christians, we're still going to have sufferings. When you, let me ask you something. When you became a Christian, did all your problems go away? Nope, nope, they didn't. In fact, you probably picked up some extra ones because then Satan's thinking, now I've lost this person, so he comes after you even more. So we still, we're going to have those sufferings. God never promised us a life of free of problems, free of stress, free of terrible disappointments. He never promised that. But Christians have something that the world doesn't have. And that's hope. That hope that gets us through that suffering. He says, he's, this verse here says, you can't compare the glory that we're going to have with the present suffering that's going on. And I know, look, been there. I know sometimes things happen to us, terrible things. And you think, I don't know if I can take another step. But somewhere we've got to remember, this is nothing compared to how great heaven's going to be. Remember Paul talks about that over, he talked more about it over in 2 Corinthians. Remember chapter 4, what he said, Therefore we do not lose heart. And look what he says, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Look at verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, 
but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Back up and look at verse 17 there. For our light and momentary afflictions or troubles. Now this, who's writing this? Who wrote that? Paul, that's right. Paul did, okay. Paul wrote that. Our light and momentary afflictions, that is the understatement of the century for him. Now you think about this. Paul has been shipwrecked twice. This is before lifeboats and life rafts. He was beaten with rods five times. He was left for dead twice. He'd been stoned, not just a few little rocks. We're talking the big rocks trying to kill him. He's been whipped. He's been put in jail. He's been without food. Paul's entire life was one big trial after another. And what does he say? Verse 17, our light and momentary afflictions. Now that's called perspective. And sometimes as people of faith, we, it may not seem light and momentary, but it is. We're people of faith. We believe there's something better. And all of us have our own set of trials that we're going through. And Paul says, or God says, those things have a purpose. And, and we can, in fact, there's, uh, there's, there's things that we can hope for, or there's two things that we can hope for here in Romans chapter 8. Um, first of all, we can have the hope of a future resurrection. Look at verse 23 again there. Not only so, but we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit again. We got the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So we've got, we have a hope of a resurrected body. And, and we, he talks about we groan inwardly. I've noticed as I've gotten older, I groan outwardly as I try to get up sometime. I don't know if y'all are that way. I've also known that I've grown bigger too, but that's, that's a whole different ballgame. I call that, I like to eat comfort food when I'm groaning inwardly. Uh, you, but let me tell you what suffering does. If there's anything good about suffering, it loosens our grip on this world. Nothing like going through suffering to realize, you know what, this world doesn't have a whole lot to hold on to. And it gives you a greater longing for heaven. Because in heaven, the Bible tells us there's no pain, there's no tears, there's not going to be any problems. That's why Paul is saying we have the hope of the resurrection. It doesn't just end in death and it's all over. And the second thing we can hope for is the hope for the Holy Spirit who's praying for us. In troubled times, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. See there in verse 26? In the same way the Spirit, there he is again, helps us in our weakness. We don't know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. I have an idea that somewhere in life, if it hasn't happened, it will. There's going to be some times you just, you're hurting so bad you don't even know how to pray. You just don't even know what to say. Except, Lord, help me. 
And, and it's during those times, the Bible says, when we can't even express the hurt, it says the Holy Spirit prays for us. He intercedes. He goes to the Father and says, let me tell you about what's going on with them. And he looks in our heart, and he sees things that even we can't see, and we can't even talk to God about. Even in our weakness, the Holy Spirit intercedes, prays for us. And so this section here talks about there's no need to be desperate. We don't live a life of desperation there. And he talks about groanings here. Let's just talk about this for a moment. Again, we'll pick up some more of this in, in, in Bible class and stuff here. But there's three, there's three types of groanings mentioned here. Uh, first of all, it talks about creation groans in verses 18 through 22. Creation's groaning is subject to frustration. Look what it says in verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And that's another study in itself. But somehow when sin came in this world, it affected all creation. And so you've got that, that creation groaning. In other words, this world is not evolving. The world is devolving. I mean, the second law of thermodynamics says everything's wearing out. And it does. We see it from machinery to our own bodies. They just start wearing out. And the world is not physically getting better. It's decaying. And when God made it back, made it perfect back there in the Garden of Eden, that, that, that was as perfect as it's ever going to get. And since then, when sin entered into the world, it started going downhill at that time. Creation groans. Why? Because there is sin in the world. Now that's creation groaning. Another groaning that goes on is what we call the believer's groan, or the Christian's groan. That's why he says there, notice verse 823, not only so, not only creation groan, we also groan. Why? Why do we groan? Because the preacher just keeps preaching, that's why we do. He keeps coming up with more points. I grew up, first preacher I remember ever as a little kid, this guy was an hour and a half preacher. I still remember, Judy probably remembers this guy. I'm not going to mention names because probably, most likely, somebody's related to him, okay? I guarantee you, hour and a half. I remember as a little kid, I'd turn around and look at that clock in the back there at Eastside Church Christ in Kermit. And he'd go, Mom, it's noon and he's still preaching. Be quiet, Michael, sit down. One day he said, well, I've been preaching a solid hour. My uncle Howard Davis said, could have fooled me, I thought it was two. And so, anyway, a little side note there, but uh, the Holy Spirit does care when you've got your problems. You're going through problems, and maybe right now, now, you're just going through some things in your life, you're thinking, this is hard. You've got, and, and we start groaning. We groan because we're anxious to get away from the pressures and the pain and the problems of this world. And we can't wait till we see Jesus again. And then the third thing is what we have is called the Holy Spirit groans. We talked something about that. Verse 26, the Spirit himself intercedes for us 
with groans that words cannot express. And I like what a guy said one time. It's basically he's praying for us. He's interceding. He's, God, God is concerned about your aches and pains. He's concerned about the deep hurts that you've had to go through or that you're going through right now. Sometimes when you just don't understand, why did this happen? God cares. And the Holy Spirit cares about you. He lives in you. We've got God living in us there. And He cares about the problems you're going through. And, and so when we get through this chapter, we're going to understand why Christians ought to be, we ought to be some of the happiest people in the world. And that's not to say that we don't have hard times. But we can have that deep joy that comes from the Spirit. Now we've been, as we've talked about this morning, we've had a life without condemnation. In other words, God's not angry with me. We've seen that we've been given a life without domination. Sin doesn't have to rule our life anymore. We don't have to give in to those bad habits anymore. The Holy Spirit will give us power. And it's we are putting to death. Remember, it's not just, oh, I'll quit that and I'll never do it again. But the Spirit works with us. And we begin a, we've been given a life without desperation, no matter what the situation and no matter what's going on in your life. It's not hopeless because the Holy Spirit is praying for us at that moment. Now, that is good news. I don't know where you are in your life. It may be that you felt like that God is just condemning you because of something that went on in the past. And you think that he just keeps hitting you with it because of what it is. If you're in Christ, what's the Bible say? There is no condemnation. It doesn't matter what's happened in your life. It's not there. And maybe sometimes you're feeling like, I just can't shake this sin. God's saying, don't give up on that. You don't have to be dominated by sin. I've got my spirit in you. You're in Christ. We're going to fight this together, and I will lead the fight. And sometimes we just feel desperate because things aren't going well. Is there any hope? God says you do have that hope. And if we can help you in any way, we want to help you with that good news. And so if we've got a song, we've got a song, let's just let's stand and we'll sing, we'll sing this song this time.